you have your Bibles, turn with me real quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish our series today, our sermon today in the series, The Blueprint. What is God's plan for my life, for His church, for His people, for marriages? I want to just say thank you for our men and women that are in the armed forces, that are fighting, that are standing watch. I'm so honored today to have many of you in this room today and never want to, to take, a, take a moment for granted that when we have soldiers and people that have fought for our country and stand watch, we have a good friend of mine today, Ryan Blaylock's in the house. Where's Ryan at? Wave your hand at me, brother. Appreciate you. He's a, he's a Marine, and he's now serving as a LaGrange Police Department officer, good friend of ours, came through my youth ministry and just love his family. Appreciate what you do. All of our men and women that have served, if you will, just hold your hand up for just a moment. Men and women in the armed forces, y'all give them a big hand. Amen? The reason I say that is because, guys, we're at war. We are literally on the fringes of the largest scale war the world has ever known. It's going to be that final battle. The Bible calls the Battle of Armageddon that will culminate, of course, in the Battle of Megiddo, which will happen at the end of all things that, that form out of the tribulation, the seven-year period. So everything that's needed to be in place from a standpoint of apocalyptic literature has happened. All the prophecies, all the prophecies have been fulfilled, and we see now the only thing lacking, the only thing waiting is the second coming of Jesus Christ, which we know, of course, preceding that is going to be where he calls away, First Thessalonians chapter 4, he's going to call away the born-again church, those that have been washed in the blood of Jesus. He's going to call us away up in the clouds to be with him in the air, and so shall we ever be with him in the Lord. But understand something, we are in a battle now. We are fighting. I want to tell you something, guys, if you don't know this, Satan is out to destroy your marriages. Literally, I'm seeing at epidemic levels today, like unlike ever before, people that are just being destroyed, uh, the spouses that are just being disheartened, couples that are being pulled apart. He's out for your children. Can I tell you, he wants to destroy your children. And the world is doing a phenomenal job at reaching your kids through Hollywood, social media, through, through websites and internet things that can just literally grab the heart of a young person. I want you to know that he's after our schools. We have men and women today that are in this room that we pray for daily that are instructing our kids, that are leading our kids, administrators, counselors, teachers, people that are investing. And I want you to know he wants to destroy your church. And what Keith was saying today, I get it that people are disheartened in any church. There's an old saying that ministry would be fun and easy if it weren't for what? People. The reality is it's not a church problem. It's a people issue. When we see this in every church, in every scope of ministry, in every form of religions and worldviews, we see that the enemy is out to destroy the church. Why? Because if he can destroy the church, he can, he can push down and suppress any potential that a lost and dying world has to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and to come into saving knowledge of him. But I want you to know today that the battle has been won. The victory is yours. And you're not merely an overcomer. You are more than an overcomer in Christ Jesus. The church is already settled in heaven. The Bible says we already have a home in heavenly places. We are already a joint heir with Christ. Today, you don't have to hold your head down any further. He says, I am a shield for you. I'm the lifter of your head, he says in Psalm 3. But the reality is, is none of that's going to change until you realize that the battle has been won the victory is yours. you got to grab onto it. The Bible says to walk in the newness of life. Have you ever wondered why it is that your marriage is being attacked or your children or your life or your church? I'll tell you why. Because God sees something valuable in you so much so that he's allowing you to go through a time of testing so that you will persevere, give him the honor and the glory, and everyone around you watching will see that and be drawn to the place of the cross. You see, the reality is, is God sees value in you. 
Listen, the enemy, think about this, it's pretty elementary. The enemy would never come against you if you weren't a threat to the ways of him. Think about that for just a minute. Let that marinate for just a moment in your spirit. Satan would leave you alone. He would never come into your home. He would never attack your children. Your marriage would just float by. Have you ever seen those people that are living in the world and just seems like they never have problems? Anybody ever see that? You know why? They're not a threat to the enemy's kingdom. But when you give your life over to Jesus and you consecrate your marriage over to Jesus, and you give your children over to Jesus. You see each year where we bring kids up here and we dedicate them. Guess what? Mamas and daddies aren't doing that one time a year. They're doing it every night when they pray over their babies, and they're praying over those that are getting married. And I mean, just the, the we are at war. But can I tell you today, church, good news. Here's a big, big sign you need to hang around your heart today. The war has been won, and we're on the winning team. All we got to do now is walk in that victory. Quit holding your head down. Look to your neighbor and say, get your head up. And look to the one you didn't care about as much and say, get your head up too. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to finish a sermon today entitled, Armor Up, Suit Up. He says, finally, brethren, in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the wiles or devices or the tactics of the devil. For we wrestle not. Listen, this is for somebody today. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Listen, the person you think is your enemy today is not your enemy. That Now, however, here's a caveat. They may be used as a tool of the enemy and not even know it. The reality is, is you're not warring against flesh and blood. It's not people. That's not the problem. It's the spiritual wickedness in high places. For a limited time, Satan is called the, 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 the um, prince of the power of the air. He's going to and fro and here about around the earth, we see in Job chapter 1. But make no mistake about it, he is subservient to a holy God. He cannot touch you. He cannot harm you. He cannot possess you if you're a child. How many of you are saved? He can't touch you. But what he will do, and this is why it's so important for us to speak words of life over, over our home and over our existence and our marriage and our children, is because when you tell him your frustrations out loud, you say, Mark, I don't ever talk to the enemy. Oh, you absolutely do. When you get out there and sow discord about a friend or about somebody who's hurt you, or you speak negatively over someone, what happens is the enemy grabs that as, a, as the prince of the power of the air, and he will bring it back, and he will use it against you. You are arming the enemy anytime you speak death over your situation. You need to speak life. Everybody say speak life. Watch what he says. Wherefore, therefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, not part of it. You see this from any soldier going into battlefield. He doesn't just take his weapon, although that's one of the most important parts of his armament, but make no mistake about it. He has to put on a helmet. He has to wear the proper shoes and, and so forth and so on. We could go through the whole gamut. Same thing for a police officer. Same thing for a, for a person working in any field. They have to have the right equipment. And God has given you everything you need to be not only successful, not only victorious, but to be more than conquerors. To watch this, to walk upon the very thing that's pressing you down. You can step, as Peter did, out on the very water, and you can do the supernatural if you're willing to walk in the promises of God, which are yes and amen in Him. There's no hope so gospel. There's no I think we're going to make it. It's already settled. You just got to walk in it today. And watch what he says. That you may be able to stand. That you may be able to, to withstand. It's time that the Christian community stand up and take her rightful place. 
It's not time to cower down. Ben said this morning, we had, we had about 12, 13 men upstairs praying. We pray at 15 after 10. We'd love to have you right up there in the top. And you know what he said? You know, it's time for us to quit talking and start doing. It's time to put faith in action. Listen, faith without works is dead. Listen, promise you this. I, I guarantee you this. If you really want to find something wrong in your marriage, you can. You really want to find something wrong with your school system? You can. You really want to find something wrong with your job? You can. You want to find something wrong with your church or your pastor? You can't. But if you want to find something wrong with anything, you can if you look just hard enough. But can I tell you something? Why don't you turn all that around and try to find something good to speak over your school, over your marriage, over your children, over your life? It takes less effort to speak something kind than it does to muster up something ugly and speak it out. And then the enemy grabs it and he's going to torture you with it. Watch what he says. Having done all to stand. Having done all to stand up. Watch what he says real quickly. Stand therefore. And then he gives us five pieces of armament. Having your loins girt about with truth. Having the breastplate of righteousness. Having your feet shod with a preparation of the gospel. Above all, having the shield of faith. Taking the helmet of salvation. You have five pieces of armament. You think about the Lord's girt about. That the soldier of the day would pull his cloak up above. Tied around his beltway. And he would be able to run through battle. And not be able to be snagged or hung or something like that. Can I tell you something? You need to watch this. You need to gird about your loins with truth. You need to quit believing every whim that comes in and out of your life. And stand on the absolute truth truth of the word of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, know the truth in John 8.32, and the truth shall set you free. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You need to quit walking like you're the person you used to be. When your enemy brings up that stuff, you, you bring up and you gird up your loins and you say, you're not going to entangle me again in the yoke of bondage, Galatians 5 and 1. I'm going to stand fast in the freedom where Christ has set me free. You quit believing that junk and you get ready for battle because war is happening right around you right now. If you can open your eyes in the spiritual realm and see every demonic force going on around you right now, you will have some. Listen, everybody say, Satan, get behind me. And look around and see who's sitting behind you. I'm just kidding. But the reality is, is they're everywhere. And they're all around you. They're in your home and they're whispering. I don't want you to raise your hand. This is a rhetorical question. But I really want you to own it. How many of you pray? Don't raise your hand. How many of you pray over your home every night? How many of you go into your bedroom and you pray over your bedpost? How many of you go to your children's room and you pray a hedge of thorns around your children? How many of you say, God, that you'd put a hedge of protection of thorns that even if they wanted to find their way to the wiles of the enemy, they they would get lost. They wouldn't find it. You want to pray for somebody that's addict, somebody that's drinking? Pray this. Pray this. Even if they buy the alcohol, they'll drink it, and it'll taste like poison to their system. But if you're not speaking that, you're not girded about for battle. And then he says, secondly, and we said this one last week, have it on the breastplate of righteousness. Stephanie asked me the other day, she said, why do you, you know, we're just talking back and forth. Why do you think here's the breastplate of righteousness? Because when the soldier went into battle, same thing true today for, for a soldier that's going into battle. He's protected here. Why? Solomon told his son, guard your heart with all diligence. You know what he's saying? Everything you have, you better guard your heart. Because out of your heart flows the issues of life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what does the enemy do? Why is it a breastplate of righteousness? I'll tell you why. 
Because the enemy will try to remind you of the old life, the old nature, the old things, the mishaps, the failures. But a breastplate of righteousness reminds you that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not who you used to be. That is your defense mechanism. When he comes after your heart, isn't it interesting that the Bible, what do you tell you when a child, you ask him, say, where does Jesus live? What do they say? Say it out loud with me. He lives in my heart. It's the seed of your emotions. You got to protect that thing. And let me tell you something, young people. If you're, if you're 18 years of age or under, hold your hand up just a minute. See a bunch of you up there? Glad you're here, first of all. Glad you're in the house of God. Because you know what? I don't just buy the fact that mom and dad drug you here. You know what I believe? You're here because you want to be here. You go to Wednesday night and you hear Pastor David because you want to do. Y'all give our young people a hand because I believe they are living in one of the most dangerous generations of ever but young person hear me don't you dare just take your heart out and give it to any man any woman any boy any girl you guard your heart with all diligence don't you dare believe that jack wagon young man ninth, 10th grade telling you oh i love you with all my heart no you won't you don't even know how to you're in the 10th grade dude come on wipe your nose and leave me alone i mean whatever you got to do reality is all the dads said amen you're not ready. You're not prepared. How many of you adults in here know they're not ready to give their heart over and love somebody in the night stinking grade? How many of you know that? Hey, I get it. I get it. I was in love. Stephanie was in love with me the first time you ever, she ever saw me. I don't know why y'all laughing. She's laughing, right? Yeah, whatever. Um, breastplate of righteousness. Bottom line, watch this. When Satan brings up your past... The righteousness of Christ is your trusty defense. Let me say that again. That was good, wasn't it? I have right here, praise the Lord, preach it, brother. Watch this. When Satan brings up your past, the righteousness of Christ is your trusty defense. God doesn't see you. He sees Jesus in you. Thirdly, real quickly, feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Can I tell you something? You can't go into battle if you don't have the right footwear on. Any police would tell you this, any law enforcement, any firefighter, any first responder. I mean, you can't go to certain jobs unless you have steel toe boots. Do you know why? Because in the military, do you know, true fact, do you know that bad feet caused more casualties in the Vietnam War than did a round from an enemy fi- uh, rifle? Did you know that? Because the reality is, is if you don't take care of your feet, you can do nothing. It becomes your vehicle. In the preparation of the gospel of the, of the word of God, watch this, preparation of the gospel of peace. Why is it called peace? I love this. Because the reality is, is when I am walking through life in the middle of crazy, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of all the haphazard ways of the enemy, I can truly possess a peace that passes human comprehension. And it becomes my footwear. But guys, if you're not waking, listen, there is a uh, term, I don't know if this is true in the Marine Corps, but it's true in the Army. When, 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 when you're in war, and you train for this all the time, but during conflict, there's a period of time in the morning called stand to. Stand to in the morning for, for us in the military, and in the infantry, was that you would wake up at 4 o'clock. You know, most enemy attacks happen right before the break of dawn. Y'all with me? Okay. Watch what happens. That's when you are your least prepared. So the military, what they would do is they would wake up the American soldier early. 
and he would go and he would sit in his Jeep or he'd sit in his Humvee or he'd sit in his Abrams tank or he'd sit in his aircraft or his whatever the case may be or sit in his foxhole. And there would be somebody listening out. Hear me, church. Listen, I'm going somewhere. They'd be listening out to chatter among the enemy. They were listening to prepare what was about to happen so there could be a counterattack. That we would be prepared for the attack of the enemy. Can I tell you one of the things that will change your life is that if you wake up early in the morning, the Bible says to rise up early, get up earlier. Mark already get up at 5, get up at 10 to 5. Mark can get up at 8, get up at 10 to 8. Get in your word, sit down, and just say, God, I'm listening. Your servant listens, speak. Be prepared for the enemy's attacks every single day. If, if one day you miss it, Tim, one day you miss that piece of armament, ask any police officer today. They'll tell them two things that is essential. One, of course, is his sidearm, his weapon, his, his protective offensive weapon or defensive mechanism, however you want to view it. But watch this. It's having on that, that, that vest that would pr- stop the projectile of a rifle bullet coming at them. And the one day he doesn't have that on, he can be shot. The same is true for you for the Word of God. If you don't have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, you are going out and you are setting yourself up to be attacked, to fall. The foot is to the body what the will is to the soul. Whatever it is you are willing to do is what you're going to do. But the feet is what takes you there. The feet is what propels you to get there. That's why it's important that we walk by faith. As we're fixing to see in the fourth part. Above all, everybody say above all. Take again the helmet of salvation. I'm sorry, the shield of faith. Above all, take upon you the shield of faith. If I were to study the scriptures and see all of the unfoldings of faith, I will see words in scripture that say, without faith it is impossible to please God. I live from faith to faith. The just, they're saved by faith. We're justified by faith. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, it's faith that was originated in the person of God through the person of Jesus Christ, given us and equipped us, holding on us by the Holy Spirit, and it is the way that we live. Without faith, you cannot please God. And watch this. For a Roman soldier who knew this well, he would have a two and a half or three foot shield that would be solid wood, and then on top of that, maybe a thin layer of metal, and on top of that, maybe some kind of leather or whatever, because the enemy would throw and just lobby lobby those darts lob those darts over those fiery quenchy arrows and they would come into their their heart and they would spread out and kill them but they would for the soldier he would get behind this shield and he had trust in it and watch this if you ever watch any of the the old um movies with with like all the soldiers come by with with shields they would lock them together and then they become one and then they became a force to reckon with and you know what they would do it was really cool they'd get all their shields and they'd lock them in on the front they'd lock them in on top they'd lock them in on the side and behind them and they would sit there and they'd wait for the enemy just to continue to to lob those fiery arrows right over the lines and hit them you know what they do they just sit in there and they'd wait once they're out of arrows They drop their shield, they pull out their what? Their sword, and they would go on a counterattack, and they'd overrun them because the enemy had no more darts. See, the same is true in your spiritual walk. You need to be patient. 
and walk and trust the faith that you have in the God that not only created you, but the one who pursued you, the one who saved you, the one who redeemed you, the one who pulled you out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set your feet upon a rock. That God, that one that is still pursuing you, that is forgiven you, that has wiped the slate clean. Every new day, there's a newness that you can walk in. But you got to trust that as a soldier would his trusty shield. And then, of course, the final part is the band comes. Take upon yourself the helmet of salvation. You see, in battle, you can suffer a stumped toe. You can suffer a broken arm. And in the field, a lot of times, you'll have to use some type of field expedient method. If you mess up your arm, or if you're, you know, firefighters will tell you this. You're going into a, to a building, and it's burning, and there's a, there's a baby on the third floor, and there's a mother screaming, and you walk through, and a nail rips your arm open, and you break your arm. Guess what you do? You drag it behind you, and you finish the job. It's just what you do. No one has to tell you that. It's hardwired in them to do that. Same is true for soldiers, isn't it, Ryan? They don't, listen, I, I, man, I smashed my toe one time on a tank. I smashed it completely, just exploded it, broke it at the very end. I went into the field tent, and I told him, I said, I think I broke my toe. And he goes, I think you did too. Here's what I want to do. Put a boot on it, keep it tight, go back to to the field. You know why? Because there's not time. And the problem is, is most of us today, and I say this respectfully, most of us today, we get one little spiritual injury, and we're ready to throw in the title. All the while, the war rages on. And if you're not in your place, you have created, watch this, church, don't miss this. This is for you individually. You have created one little opening for the enemy to come in and destroy your home. You are the one. You're the one in the church. Why do you say that? 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 speaks of the diversities of the spiritual gifts that are given you and I according to as God pleases and he wills. It's God's business to make one a pastor, to make one an apostle, one a teacher, one of discernment, one of a, a, a singer. I mean, you can go through the gamut of all the spiritual gifts that God can give us. And he appropriates them as he sees fit. But watch this. For one of you that's sitting out there, and I appreciate what Keith said. Maybe you're sitting out there today and you say, well, you know what? My part of this story doesn't really seem that important. There's no question in my mind. I just, I just feel this in my spirit today that there's somebody saying that right now in this room. I don't feel that my part is as, as, as viable as hers or as his. You know what the Bible says about that? Paul writing to the church at Corinth. You know what he said? For those parts of the, of the body that seem least valuable become the most important. Do you know why? Because you can take that inferiority that you have, shift it just a little bit, and it becomes humility, and God can use that. Let me say that again. I want you to hear me. Today, what may stand in front of you and God, in between you and God, to effective spiritual walk, to take up your rightful place in the kingdom and the body, Maybe an inferiority. Maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you don't feel viable. Maybe you don't feel like you're a part. Maybe you don't feel like you have a voice. Maybe you don't feel like you have a talent. Maybe you just don't feel like it's clicking for you. Guess what? That inferiority, you can give over to God today and say, God, forgive me for whining. Forgive me for murmuring. Don't miss the fact that the children of Israel leaving the coming out of the uh, the Egyptian wanderings into the, 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 the wilderness for 40 years, they walked around not because they were in bondage, but because they were murmuring. If you're murmuring today and you're speaking negativity over your life, you're just going to walk around in a stinking spiritual circle. You're going nowhere. 
There's no obstacles in front of you. There's nothing really holding you back. You're just murmuring. Call it mully grubs. You can call it uh, disenfranchised. You can call it a funk. You can call it anything you want to call it. But God's not hearing that junk. You know what God wants you to say? I am more than a conqueror. I am coming out of this thing. I am lifting my head, looking to the heavens from whence my, my help comes. I know in whom I have trusted. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that I have a potential. And you take that inferiority and you turn it just a little, just a little. Not to confidence, but into humility. The Bible says if a man would humble himself before the mighty hand of God, he will exalt him. He'll lift you up. You don't have to lift yourself up. You don't have to strategically place yourself in some place and say, here's what I, you know that person that just tells you everything that they can do that's awesome. You don't have to do that either. That's boasting. That's pride. The Bible says pride goes before the what? Say it with me, the fall. I'm not telling you to have a haughty spirit and think that you're all that in a bag of chips. Sometimes just come into God and say, God, I'm nothing. But in you, I am something. I have nothing to bring, but God, everything I have, I lay it at your feet. Use it for your glory and for your honor. The helmet of salvation. I've been saved. I love Psalm 51 and 12. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Some of you just need to get the joy back. Nehemiah said it this way. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I don't know why I need to say this, but I feel like I do. Couples. You deserve a great marriage. You deserve a marriage, a husband or a wife. That when you walk in the when they walk in the door, you still get that little flutter, that little there she is. Get a little nervousness when she walks in. I, I, I know this sounds crazy. We'll be married 27 years. And when Stephanie Pritchett walks in the door, I still get that little. Uh-huh. Some of y'all get that same little feeling, but it's more like Mufasa. I mean, you know, you got to be careful. You you know, don't you amen right there. That's me right there, Mufasa. But listen, don't do that. We're almost there. Hold it in. But hear me. God wants you to know today. He's just spoken this into my life. You can check my records. It's not in my message. He wants you to know, wife, that you can have everything you desire, deserve, and ever hope for in a marriage. And guess what? He's in the man that you're married with right now. Somebody needed to hear that today. Lots of somebody's might have needed to hear that today. Husband, you're looking for that perfect woman. You're looking for that perfect marriage. There's not one. But everything you've ever desired in your heart to have in a a precious bride can be found today in the woman that you said, I do with. And lastly, and most importantly, and this is where we live. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. When Jesus was tempted... In the wilderness by the enemy himself, Tim. I'm not talking about just taunted. I'm talking the enemy 
the accuser of the brethren, standing right next to him, talking and speaking into to the human state of our Savior at that point of just the lowest of lows, not eating, not drinking. And each time, he said, I know you're hungry, Jesus, Yeshua. Why don't you turn those stones? Isn't it interesting? He even knew that he could turn the stones into bread. He knew he was God. Jesus, turn these stones into bread so that you can eat. You know what he did? Guess what he did? He took out his weapon. And he fought him with the word of God. Man shall not live upon bread alone. For it is written. And then then he told him, he said, he takes him up to this high plateau. And he says, throw yourself off. And you know that your Father in heaven will send a legion of angels and they'll save you. He said, for it is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. (laughs) And then he takes him up even higher. And he looks out. And here's his M.O. I can tell you his main M.O. is right here. His main modus operandi is this, what I'm about to tell you. This one thing. If you grab onto this one thing, you can defeat the enemy's devices at every front. And here it was. Jesus, look out. You see that metropolis over there in Hierapolis? You see Galatia? You see the Sea of Galilee? You see the big temple? You see that it's all can be yours if you would just say it with me. Bow down the knee and worship me. That is his MO, church. He could care less if you're joyful. He could care less if you're a preacher. He could care less if you're a deacon. He could care less if you're the richest person in the world that could write one check and build that church. He does not care. He wants you to worship Him. He wants your worship. He wants you to place worth in the things of this world that are fleeting, that are gone, that are like a vapor. You are here one minute and you're gone the next. He wants your worship. You know what Jesus said? Jesus just simply told him, shall have as it is written there shall have no other gods before me and then he he took that defensive part of the sword quoting the word of God and then he just got offensive sometimes you just need to get offensive with the enemy quit living only in a defensive mentality only in a defensive posture and at some point take that sword and and slice him in half and here's what he said get behind me Satan James 4, 7, part B says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Some of y'all need to take out the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and you need to cut right across his head and decapitate the enemy and realize he is already a defeated foe. Put on the whole armor of God, church. Quit suiting up to just protect your feet and leaving your heart exposed. Quit protecting your heart and leaving your feet naked and you're walking and the thorn hits you and you're down for the count. Put on the helmet of salvation. Protect your mind. Protect the devices of the enemy. Know the word of God. Take the shield of faith and walk in faith and not in defeat. And then above all, watch this. Take the sword of the Spirit and defend every fiery dart he can throw at you. And when you're done and you're tired and you're about to fall to your feet, having done all to stand, stand up and decapitate the enemy. Pick his head up and say, you're done. It's over. I'm no longer going to walk in defeat. I am a child of the King. I am not going to have an okay marriage. I'm going to have a great marriage. My kids are not going to the world. I'm believing they're coming back. I am no longer going to be your pawn. Throw it down and march on and do something for the glory of God. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It's time, church, to take your rightful place. It's time to stand up. It's time to quit crawling around on your knees to an enemy that's defeated. How many of you can say, Mark, I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of the King. I am born again. 
Mark, I don't make all the right choices, but I know that I'm saved. Just lift your hand up right now. Lift it up all over the room. If you're sure today, hold it up. If you're not sure, don't hold your hand up. Some hands have not gone up today. Hear me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. What are you waiting on? In faith, by His grace, Romans 3 and 23 says, we've all fallen short the glory of God. None of us are worthy, but He's worthy. Romans 6.23 says the cost or the payment or the, the debt of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ. He has paid it in full. you got to just receive the gift today. Romans 10 and 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not a magical prayer. Not because you're in this church. But by the faith you have in Him, by His grace, upon the love and the mercy and His long-suffering, He's given you yet another opportunity. And today's your day. Pray right now from your heart to God to invite Him into your life and to save you right here and right now. Something like this. God in heaven. Say, I believe in Jesus. That He died on a cross. That He paid for my sin debt. Today, I invite you, Jesus to be the Lord of my life take over save me in Jesus name I pray help me to live for you every head bowed every eye closed I'm just going to look to you I'm not going to point you out if you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart today lift your hand right now don't debate it just hold it up real quick God bless you and you I see you sir anybody else hold it up real quick real quick hold it up and back down God bless you little one anyone else how many of you can say God bless you little one anyone else listen to me If you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart today, in just a moment, I want you to come and find one of these men or women down front and just let them pray with you. Let them just tell you the truth of God's Word. If you need a Bible, we'll give you one. If you need help, we'll help you. We just want to pray with you today. That's it. Take a step for Jesus today. But watch this. How many of you can be honest? Heads bowed and eyes closed. Don't want to embarrass anybody. How many of you can say, Mark, I am struggling. I am struggling. It is tough. I am hurting. I am afraid. Whatever it may be, you can use any adjective you want. How many of you are hurting or struggling you just need prayer today you're not lifting your hand to me but you lift it up to god lift it up high high hands going up all of my marriage is in trouble my kids are going wayward i am struggling in so many areas hands have gone up all over the room church look at me for just a minute look at me once and for all you have to stand up you can't continue to sit down and expect god to move so if your hand went up when they start singing when i invite you to stand up just come to the altar just come and give it to Jesus. Come and talk to David or one of these pastors, one of these deacons. I'll stand right here if you just want to come and shake my hand and just say nothing. Just to prove to the enemy that he's a liar and he's defeated. I want you to come. If your hand was up and you want to see results, don't sit down. Stand up. The doors of our church are open. God's called you to be a part of our fellowship and our family. We'd love to have you count of three. I want you to stand. And if God's prompted you, just take a step and move. Don't even think about it. One, two, three. Stand. Everyone stand. Everyone in the house. If God's spoken to you today, come. If you're frustrated, come. If your marriage is on the rocks, come. If you're just having a difficulty reading God's Word, come. If you're having frustration with friends and you need to approach somebody and try to forgive them for the hurt, 